0: Hey everybody it's me welcome back to beyond pop culture um me is kevin allred i guess i should say though you probably know that um i have been uh looking at beyonce's new how to make lemonade book um that finally came i was saying in the last episode that I was I had been hoping that it would come that day so I could make an episode about it and I'm still kind of going over everything that's in it. It's just like massive, heavy 600 page amazing book um, But I don't even feel like I'm ready prepared to talk about it yet other than say it's incredible um, I want to give it more time and in the interim between then and the last episode, there's also been the reappearance of who I like to joke of uh, about as being my arch nemesis Taylor Swift. Um, she's back uh, she had uh, wiped clean all of her social media at the after in the aftermath of her her trial which, I mentioned last time, right, you know, the symbolic victory and all of that kind of stuff is, is, matters for a lot of people, but there's also this kind of, if you've been listening or if you know me, you'll know I have a, uh, <laughs> I guess running grudge against, not grudge, I don't, like, it. it's not personal, I don't personally like her music, but, there's something about the way she brands herself that's really troublesome Um, and it goes all the way back to that moment in 2009 with the Kanye West interruption at the VMAs and it's like I don't want to rehash and go over it everyone says oh you're obsessed with Taylor Swift you keep can't keep can't stop talking about her it's not the case at all it's just that when you are trying to use pop culture as a teaching tool, and you're trying to, um, you know, and analyze all the layers of these pop cultural moments. It's hard to to ignore this major, major. She's not the only person that does it, obviously, but it comes. This trend, this cultural trend, comes out quite explicitly and clearly. I think by looking at Taylor Swift's career from especially from that 2009 moment and now so she put out the new she teased a new single the single came out on Thursday of last week the video was announced it would premiere during the VMAs so this is all this is all calculated because the VMAs were this week the VMAs are also the the VMAs were on Sunday um, the This is the stage that she kind of is once again returning to. The 2009 thing happened at the VMAs, right? So Kanye West gets out, gets up, and interrupts Taylor Swift accepting the award for Best Female Video. Best Female Video, I believe. I don't know if there was like a category on it. Best Pop Female Video, whatever. Um, He gets up, he does his famous Taylor, I'm gonna let you finish... Um, but Beyoncé had one of the best videos of all time. Of course, Beyoncé looks horrified that now she's been brought into the middle of this whole thing. Um, Kanye was right. It wasn't the nicest way to, uh, express that, of course. But Beyoncé's video for single ladies was much, 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 much better and more innovative and creative than... Taylor Swift's video for You Belong With Me um that's been kind of talked about ad nauseum uh Taylor Swift stands there shocked as anyone would be right at this point I think she's 19 years old and Kanye West is 32 years old or um 31 or 2 something like that um right so yeah it's it's something she was unprepared for for sure (laughs) but the moment transforms into this massive backlash then against Kanye West in part egged on by Taylor Swift's refusal to talk about it or answer any questions in the radio interview she does afterwards Um, people start like you know they want to burn Kanye West CDs It represents something much bigger because you have a white girl, you know, the the emblem of white womanhood, uh, innocent womanhood, Uh, and you have Kanye West, the black man who interrupts her on stage, and you have this whole replaying of a really violent history that this country and i mean in other places too but this country has lived with for so long like taylor and kanye on the stage at that moment represented all of this history because it wouldn't have happened the same way if anyone else had won the award of course beyonce would if he wouldn't have needed to interrupt her although maybe he would have still interrupted and said it was the best video who knows i think the other nominees were pink um Lady Gaga, maybe Kelly Clarkson, I don't know, it, any of those three win, you don't have the kind of same dynamic that Taylor Swift represents, and everyone's like, I mean, I, I flat out think that the way she handled it fed into a racist history and racist um, system white supremacist system that we that we live in and she didn't counter it and so she was using it to her own advantage because this really did catapult her into a certain kind of fame I know Kanye uses I mean to continue with the whole since 2009 aspect Kanye uses that line in his song famous I made that bitch famous um, which there's then contention over the lines and her giving permission for him to use that line in the song, he claimed, right, that he had asked her, she said, oh no, how dare he, you know, this is sexist, this is, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she came out with another one of those kind of victimized, poor me moments, trying to take a stand for her newfound feminism in that moment um, that she'd been claiming, again, since Beyonce kind of created a moment in 2013 where feminism could become profitable for people. I, I don't think Beyonce herself was trying to profit off of feminism. I think she took the risk and then made it possible for ever, anyone else to kind of claim it because up until that point people were very hesitant. Celebrities, I mean, you know, in in other areas and, and walks of life and jobs, people don't have the same you know, hesitancy or didn't have the same hesitancy maybe to, to claim feminism but people in the public eye certainly were using the I am not a feminist I love men um, I'm not a feminist it sounds so divisive that kind of thing but after that 2013 big moment it became okay and Taylor Swift is one of these people who walked back some of her public comments about how she wasn't feminist because it sounds so eh, you know whatever and is now claiming it she credits lena dunham with her being her friend and teaching her about what it really meant and so now she believes okay whatever right i don't think her brand of feminism and i've talked about this a million times i don't think her brand of feminism is that well it's not complex at all and it actually is is manipulative in terms of how she uses it As as marketing and you know, she had her girl squad, but at the same time she's singing a song That's like a diss track to Katy Perry, whatever and then when you bring race into it, I don't think her feminism is concerned with Anyone but white women um, at all so right you had the 2009 moment she Plays it up for a year. She goes back the next year to the 2010 VMAs and unveils this very melodramatic, pretentious song called Innocent that she's written about the whole in the incident and she is pronouncing Kanye West innocent as like the judge and jury again it's very much playing up this racist dynamic in history that has led to people of color and especially black men and um, women and black trans folks today Um, and before though we haven't You know we didn't hear about it in the terms we hear about things now uh, led to death and violence and all these things the same thing that was happening on stage in the same way Taylor is now saying okay I pronounce you innocent it's condescending first of all that again she's this 19 maybe 20 at this point year old girl pronouncing a much older black man telling him how he you know, letting him off the hook, telling him how to live his life, letting her know she understands the struggles he's going through. It's just very... Not, not you know, she's not yelling racial slurs. She's not saying... She's not, I guess, actively discriminating, but there's just very something off-putting about what she's saying, and it really lies on that under underlying racist dynamic and white supremacist thing that I think has now become her brand since 2009 a lot of the people that jumped to her defense in that moment were reacting to a racial dynamic not necessarily a a race a racial and gender dynamic not necessarily a love of taylor swift's music but it turned a lot of people who had a certain kind of politics onto her music that has continued there's this article in vice that i can't remember how exactly old it is it pops up every few months but it's about how Taylor Swift became this symbol of white supremacist groups where I mean essentially like Nazi Barbie she's she's very she's like the epitome of a stereotype of white innocent white woman in danger I guess and the Kanye moment really played that up even though that was not necessarily anyone's intentions, the way it reads to many people were. So she's become this kind of cult white supremacist cult figure. And she doesn't, um, the articles will in Vice, you can go look that up and uh, read a much more nuanced analysis of how this happens and how they believe she really is kind of weaseling her way into the mainstream to make it, more palatable for their politics to come out and be emboldened she's it's very much like donald trump although he was from the beginning more explicit and i'm not saying taylor swift has these necessarily has these white supremacist fantasies in her actively in her mind like yes now i'm sneaking in and then i'm going to explode this from the inside and i'm gonna you know i'm not saying she's Particularly doing that, but it doesn't really matter whether those are her intentions when that's how it's being read by the white supremacists themselves. It's the same reason that Donald Trump needed to denounce very forcefully, you know, KKK members, David Duke, these people that say they're acting in his name and he refuses to denounce them. At that point, it doesn't matter. And I do believe Donald Trump just does harbor actual racist white supremacist beliefs. Um, At that point, it doesn't really matter if if he did or not, because not denouncing it is the same as giving a thumbs up, right? It's the same thing about, like, the system is racist, so if you're not actively fighting against that racism, then you are part of the problem as well. And it's not about personal judgments. It's not about, you know, calling every white person a name, right? When I say, this is, leads back to the Lady Gaga thing I was talking about and wrote about before, that there's not no such thing as non-racist white people, because if you're part of the system and the system is racism, you're either part of racism or you're working against it, which is anti-racist um, kind of thing. So nobody really wants to... Or people that feel... That they're not racist, and also at the same time don't want to actually put in any effort or do any work to that. Have a really—they're the people that push back against this this idea. um, And so, if Taylor Swift isn't going to denounce the fact that she's became become a symbol for white supremacist politics and and beliefs, even if they're on the fringe for now, you know. Um, and white supremacist politics are never just on the fringe because they've been built into the system so what appears to be on the fringe is becoming bolder and bolder because of The kernels of it that are in the system already. So someone like Taylor Swift can very easily say no I don't want your support. I don't want you buy my albums because I don't support that cause I don't you know, I don't believe in those things so please don't but she doesn't the same way Donald Trump doesn't come out and denounce it so at that point it doesn't really matter whether or not they actively hold the, the beliefs because they're complicit in the spread of the belief using them as a symbol and as a, a, a figure to rally around anyway I'm rambling so she she releases the, a new single <laughs> let's get to the actual point She releases a new single called Look What You Made Me Do the Thursday before the VMAs, before this past Sunday. So it comes out, whatever. It's a different sound for her. I mean, not really. It's like, it felt very derivative when I heard it. It sounded like she was trying to recreate a Beyonce formation moment. And again, I compare things to Beyonce because... Beyonce really is on the, the cutting edge. She creates and shapes what's coming next. And so when she did formation, then everybody rushed to create something that could could recreate the the buzz and the hype that came out around her song. So this feels like felt like to me, Taylor Swift coming um, trying to get a song with a similar feel, right? She doesn't have, this song to me doesn't have much of a melody. Um, she's like talk singing she's not really although one could say that that's what she's best at Um, and then the chorus is this look what you made me do this is it's definitely a a, a diss song right most probably to Kanye which is the rumor Um, right oh I guess I skipped over so the the main part which you all know is when Kanye put that line in and Taylor comes out with her no I never said this was okay Kim Kardashian actually had tape of her saying it was okay and there was that big day I think last year sometime in 2016 where Kim puts out all the snake emojis and releases the tape and that shows Taylor just in a bold-faced lie um or or shows that her protesting the song was a bold-faced lie because she's on the phone with Kanye laughing about it, saying, oh, yeah, I think it's funny, whatever. So she gets caught just explicitly um, in this bold-faced lie. And then she kind of goes away, right, until this trial was the one moment we heard about her. There was, like, some speculation she was filming stuff when she was... Maybe dating, maybe they were filming um, for an upcoming project um, with Tom Hiddleston. Until uh, all of this is released, her little announcement, she wipes the social media clean and then she says, Okay, we're starting over. Um, my new song's coming out Thursday, Look What You Made Me Do. And the album's called Reputation and it's coming out in November, uh, the 10th of November, I believe. Now, a lot of people want to say that that it's just coincidence but it hap- the 10th of November happens to be the day the 10 ye- to the day 10 years to the day of Kanye's mom Donda West uh, passing away you know it's hard to say they obviously issued a statement saying no we had no intention of doing that but it's just it's such a weird coincidence that yeah, it could have happened without anyone actually planning it, but I do think Taylor Swift is so meticulous about her image. In that way, she's a lot like Beyonce in image management, but they do they do manage their images in completely opposite ways, even though the strategy itself is very similar and, and just as guarded and meticulous, I think. Um, it's hard for me to completely believe that nobody on Taylor Swift's team, or she herself, didn't know and, and made this big, huge anou- album release announcement, and it just so happens to be that day of this really terrible moment for the person you've been kind of at odds with for the last nearly a decade now. But you know, who knows, it, it just seems to be evidence piling up. Um, the album's called Reputation, uh, so obviously she's, she's coming back, she was using snakes in the, in the Instagram photos, and then they come back in the video, so she's kind of, she's trying to re, uh, reclaim the image of, or the, the snake as, you know, that was the insult thrown against her, she's trying to reclaim that, or somehow embrace it, or be self-aware, I'm not sure, um, she used that, that it's, like, it's like this black-and-white newsprint kind of um, motif for the album cover. She, I forget who, but someone had this tweets about how it looked like she was like the manager at the local Hot Topic. I was like, she's like the day manager at the Hot Topic and goes to Claire's to get an extra ear piercing during her um, lunch break. But she isn't as edgy at home because she still lives with mom. I don't know. I had this whole story going behind, a, behind <laughs> the, the day manager at Hot Topic. But I mean, it it, it, it seems very dated and, and that's probably part of the point, um, right? But she's trying to reclaim or I don't know if she's trying to reclaim a certain kind of reputation or use the idea of reputation itself as to critique the idea of a reputation. Anyway, the song comes out it's to me very blah to a lot of people very blah and then the next day i think it's just the next day she releases a teaser about the video will be will drop during the vmas um you also had a couple years ago she was the one who presented the video vanguard award to kanye um and the rumors at the time were that she had agreed to do it if kanye finally um apologized to her for that because he's you know they've gone back and forth it's been over water under the bridge it seemed but then all of a sudden the water's not under the bridge anymore it's it's been very back and forth for the last eight years on this one issue and he this was when he got up and gave that long rambling speech that turned into him announcing his president or his candidacy for president in 2020 <laughs> Um, and he never explicitly said the words that he apologized. I think you referenced the moment. She referenced the moment when she came out. But he never actually said he apologized. And if you watched in the crowd, as soon as you, she realizes he's not going to, he, she starts moving away from... She had been standing next to Kim in the audience. She starts moving away. Um, and it seemed very calculated that it clicked in her head and so she she begins to distance herself again and then you had this thing come out about the line in Famous and then Kim exposed her and now here we are with her reputation she's coming back to either claim the tarnished reputation um, make light of what she did she never actually apologizes and says Yeah, I did give Kanye permission and then I said this and it was kinda shitty of me and I did it. She's never said that. You know, that's all she would have to do, but instead she turned it into another whole marketing moment for this full album. Who knows what the full album will entail, but certainly for this first video. So she puts the teaser of the Instagram video and there's an image. That seems to very closely replicate, (laughs) um, a moment, and it's just a still, so we didn't know, but it was, it seemed very formation, like I had thought with the sound of the song, and so the internet goes crazy. over you know creating memes around i'm from pennsylvania my daddy pennsylvania my mama pennsylvania (laughs) like all of these moment uh, lyrics from formation but changing them and they're hilarious they're like it was a full day's worth of laughing at all of the things that people were coming up with um and 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 notably she also is is flanked on both sides by who uh, a group of, of people that all appear to meet, be queer men of color. Tadric Hall is one of, to me, was the only ide- like, he has a, a persona and is identifiable, but they all seem to be either, I don't know what the intent is, like giving support, offering her credibility in some way as this white girl in the front. Um, whatever so everyone goes off with the memes the director comes out and says no there's no um correlation between for, you know this is not in Beyonce's art space or whatever this director has worked with Beyonce before Joseph Kahn. he also is the one who directed Taylor a, a bunch of Taylor Swift videos the bad blood one but also the the one she got kind of dragged for having this African-inspired video filmed in Africa with no black people in it. Um, I think that was Wildest Dreams, but I can't be totally sure. Anyway, so he says there's nothing, you know, just wait for the video. So the video comes out in the middle of the show. Katy Perry's also hosting the show, so it's another weird, catty, petty move for her because her and Katy Perry have gone back and forth about do they have a feud, do they not have a feud, what's going on you know it's obvious that they don't like each other but neither of them just comes out and, and says it. So not only is she returning to this moment from 2009 and she'll actually return to it very literally in the video. Um, she's doing it on the night that Katy Perry one of her other like nemesis people is hosting the show, it's it's again see like there's a lot of evidence piling up against Taylor Swift. So the video comes on and it turns it turns out it's just like pastiche of all these a lot of her old videos there's like visual references and recreations of in there. To me there's a lot of other videos by other people including the formation moment I mean, the director was right in that it wasn't like, that's not the full video. It starts out with her kind of clawing her way out of a grave because her reputation is dead, right? So here lies the reputation of Taylor Swift. There's a line in the song where she's like, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because she's dead. Like, so she's trying to reclaim or or show you that she's self-aware and commenting on these things. Um, but there's also a lot of other video uh, video references like Michael Jackson, Lady Gaga, um, I saw Nicki Minaj, I saw, uh, uh, there's Madonna um, references, there was, I thought there was a Sia reference with a giant birdcage, um, there's a moment where she's like swinging in a giant birdcage and Sia had that video where they're dancing inside a giant birdcage, I mean, I don't know, and of course no, you know, it's 2017, no idea is completely new. But it feels like there's a way to use an inspiration and push it to a different level or add your own, infuse it with your own creativity or whatever. And then there's also just being derivative and copying something. And it seems as though that's what Taylor Swift does every time. Now, the video ends with her like all like six or seven of her standing next to one another from like and kind of famous stereotypes of her so what i meant with the literally literal um 2009 moment is one of her her is wearing that gown with holding the moon man trophy um looking shocked at the camera and she the video cut um fades out on her after she said i would very much like to be excluded from this narrative which is what she said when kim kardashian exposed her um there's one of her kind of acting surprised and one of the other ones says, we know you're not that surprised all the time. Cause you know, she gets, she's famously gets this. Why does she always s- her jaw open like that? Like she's so surprised. Like you've won a million awards and Grammys. Why do you keep acting so surprised? There's like the country bumpkin girl. There's um, the mean one, the snake Taylor Swift, there's the dead reputation Taylor Swift, and they're all kind of arguing with each other and talking to each other. And at, what that actually reminded a lot of people of is Beyonce's Pepsi commercial from t- before she did the 2013 Super Bowl. She had that Pepsi commercial where she's like in a dance studio and there's mirrors surrounding her, and each time she looks in the mirror, there's one of her old. Iconic looks from a video or or whatever. There's like the crazy in love Beyonce. There's the Sasha Fierce Beyonce Um, And Then Beyonce's doing the choreography with them that old choreography from different videos While the song grown woman plays is the first time we heard Part just a snippet of the song grown woman, which is all about like I'm a grown woman. I can do whatever I want I'm I'm putting myself like I'm announcing that I'm now at this other level um while she watches all the other Beyonce's kind of vie for attention and then she the mirror shatter she kind of like puts her arms out in a Michael Jackson move which again is inspiration and homage to Michael Jackson how he would always like throw his head back and arms straight out and there'd be explosions and whatever and the mirrors shatter and fly and then she says um, embrace embrace your past but live for now Right, which becomes kind of like a, a cheesy Pepsi slogan but the commercial itself is actually a much bigger part of a much bigger strategy for her right then because this is pre the surprise album this is before the Super Bowl right after the Super Bowl she puts out the HBO documentary Life is But a Dream, which is her giving the public kind of a last look behind, not to say that she won't do another kind of behind the scenes documentary, but in that moment, she was giving the public this last look behind the scenes of the making of her previous album, Four, with some live performances. And she talks a lot about how the culture of celebrity, how she wishes she could be more private. She has these um, moments where she references Nina Simone, which is one particular moment where she references Nina Simone. Her her hair is also a reference to Nina Simone in that documentary, the way she's tied her hair up in braids in this kind of famous, there's lots of Nina Simone um, photos of her in silhouette with the hair tied up on top of her head. Um, And that's how Beyonce has her hair done. In the documentary but she talks about how when Nina Simone was uh, was this huge star people came to listen to the music they came to hear they came to appreciate her art they didn't care what her daughter was wearing on any given day or what she'd had for breakfast right so she's giving this sly nod to the fact that she wants to be in a position where she has her privacy but can still be an important artist or just be an artist, right? Her work does become important, but, um, you know, I'm not ascribing that that motive to her necessarily. She wants to be an artist, but also have her private life. And she talks about how she had to cut people out of including her dad w- with some things because her business and her, her performance self and her public self that she gives to audiences can't be the same as her private self. And she, is seems to be really pained about these things, right? She's longing for a way that y- y- these two things could coexist better than th- maybe they do now. And she's saying maybe in Nina Simone's day, you know, well, we definitely have more, the spread of information is quicker. People with phones on their cameras, people taking pictures everywhere. Um, so you can't even like go outside your house without risking people posting videos to the internet or posting photos to the internet and she talks about how we wake up and we're like bombarded with just a million images just by checking our phone even before we leave, get out of bed in the morning and she's like wishing for a different time and so this is setting up her removal of her private self from the public this also leads to this is when she stops giving interviews She's made, like, some tiny exceptions since then, but it's not in the same way that she used to. Like, she did a flow chart kind of interview for some magazine. She did a, um, right, I mean, she famously did the September cover, the September issue of Vogue cover, but without an interview or without any quotes, f- new quotes, people had quoted other things she said in the write-up on it, and that's, like, an unheard-of thing to do. So she's making these huge statements with just the choices she's of 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 not doing an interview of showing us what she shows us in life is but a dream and even in that Pepsi commercial showing that she's getting rid of the Beyonce not getting rid of but um putting up boundaries she uses that in life is but a dream a lot i had to put up boundaries and i have to stick to them and one of the boundaries she's putting up is between the public and her private life. So she still does share things with us through Instagram, but it's a photo, it's a visual representation, and it's usually an artistic statement at the same time. It's never just... She doesn't share pieces of private information with us just to share, which seems to be the habit of of everyone in the public eye. She gives us her pregnancy announcement as a reworking of classical art, right? So that's Yes, we get private information, but we get it through these other channels. Yes, Lemonade is probably highly personal to her, but she never actually tells us personal details. Jay actually tells more personal stuff when he's talking, but it's not directly about her. Um, But she gives us this piece of art that she can work through personal things in, and it also means this other huge overarching Story and, and makes this other overarching artistic statement. Um, so Taylor Swift ends her video in this very similar, uh, with this very similar motif from the Pepsi commercial. And I uh, wrote a piece and put it up on Huffington Post blog. And about just exactly basically everything I just said and called it the unbearable white womanhood of Taylor Swift um, I didn't go into the whole history like it feels like you could write essays and essays about the whole history of from since 2009 to now and how sh- how this whole strategy has worked for her but it's very much like a weaponizing of her white womanhood in terms of this stereotype of innocent white womanhood, and it only works because she's particularly who she is, Um, right? Like I said, it wouldn't work if it was pink. It wouldn't work if someone else had won that award and Kanye interrupted them because their reaction might have been different too. Um, So everything fell into place just so, and now here we are, eight years later, she's going back again to 2009. <laughs> and rehashing it rather than moving forward, I said the um, it's almost like she does the opposite of what Beyonce says as the Pepsi tagline at the very end. It you know hers is embrace your past but live for now. Like use what you've been through and and move forward, create something, um, become someone new. Taylor Swift is the opposite, embrace now but live for your past. She's stuck in this moment and she's made so far an eight-year career out of it Um, and people get really mad so I put that article up and linking back to this idea about her being the new poster child for white supremacist groups and and the similarities between her and and Trump and the way that they navigate their own supporters i guess um i've had like literal nazis in my mention on in my mentions on twitter standing up for taylor swift again not even for her music but just the idea that she's being criticized just the idea that a white woman is being criticized and that credit is being given to a black woman for having done something that then Taylor Swift co ops And it's fine if she uses things as homage and and moves the discussion in a new way. Um, because Beyonce doesn't, she takes influence from everywhere. That's the other thing. People don't people think that I think Beyonce is totally original. No, Beyonce couldn't be who she was without tina turner uh billy Holiday, nina simone all these people janet jackson michael jackson she names as some of her major influences and like i said the pepsi commercial references michael jackson right in it um her super bowl costume reference My- michael jackson well the 2016 super bowl um look that she did as well as the black panthers but you know she takes the inspiration and she Adds to it. Whereas Taylor Swift's video, yes, you know, you can like chuckle at yourself that, oh, we get it, now she's self aware, but she's not taking it in any new direction. In the Beyonce commercial, there's, you know, the one Beyonce that's dancing and looking at all the other mirrors, and then the mirrors shatter and we're left with her. In Taylor Swift's video at the end, there's no central protagonist. We're left with all of that. We're actually left with the one back from 2009 saying I'd like to be excluded from this narrative in kind of a self deprecating way. So it's not Taylor Swift moving into a new phase and like shutting down the past and saying okay I'm reclaiming my reputation. It's her building a reputation out of who she's been from the past. And never taking responsibility for any of the things she's done because she's been caught in lies. Like I said, I don't think she actually um, planned... Well, of course she didn't plan the moment with Kanye West, but her reactions and responses could have been much different. And had they been different, I don't think we'd be at the point where we are now. And I don't think she... But she she also wouldn't be the Taylor Swift we know now. So she is hanging on to these things because she can't let them go or else she loses the fame that she has. Um, so there's something very manipulative about her. It's I used unbearable in the title bit, like insufferable. She, she uses her white womanhood to never have to take responsibility for anything. And that, I guess, has really made people <laughs> angry when that gets pointed out. I'm by no, by no means or by far the, the first or only person to ever point any of this out. So many other people say the same thing. But it's really interesting watching all of these people because not only when you've been trolled by (laughs) right-wing online, when you've been trolled by like Trump supporters for a political comment, and then you get trolled by Taylor Swift people over like a pop culture comment, but you see the overlap of all the people trolling, and you realize that the fan bases are the same, and you know, you, you. that that vice article i was talking about really comes to life i was saying there's a case study happening on my twitter right now because some right-wing uh the same right-wing places that write stories on oh professor says xyz controversial tweet let's get him fired are now saying oh professor rants about taylor swift lol all the responses are so funny like It's the same story. They're telling the same story. And they're up in arms in the same way as had I said something about Donald Trump as saying something about Taylor Swift. So you watch the conversation happening and you realize that there is this. and, And at the same time, I was starting to talk about that this last episode about, you know, using pop culture and teaching with pop culture or using pop culture moments at least to kind of point out bigger ideas or, or politics or trends or whatever, the downplaying of that by these people trying to lift up Taylor Swift, it's just really, I don't want to say scary, but it is kind of scary in the same way that after the election, all these people get emboldened. They're being emboldened around her in the same way. If I were her, and being praised in in the same breath as these other terrible people, you know, I I wouldn't want that to be my image, but it seems to be that she wants that to be her image. She wants to refuse ever taking account. There's no accountability, just like with Trump. There's no responsibility, just like with Trump. There's um, no denouncing of... An audience that politically you don't want I mean I don't I can't say that you don't want supporting you because they very well maybe do want them supporting them Um, but they would never well Taylor Swift herself would never explicitly come out and and say these things but she kind of is by not denouncing it it's and then at the same time people are like oh pop culture isn't reality you know there's more important things going on in the world i'm like oh but this actually shows exactly how closely intertwined these things are (laughs) and they don't want you to bring them together because it shows exactly the interchange i guess between them and the ways that certain groups of people also. Gravitate to certain pop culture and how pop culture could actually change things if, say, Taylor Swift came out and said something against these people that are holding her up as a white supremacist princess. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I had to talk all of that out. I was gonna not I don't want to talk about her anymore but she keeps coming and then everyone yells at me for keep still talking about her but I don't I don't want to talk about her just like I don't want to talk about Donald Trump just like I don't want this country to be the country it is right now <laughs> but like what are you supposed to do so you just don't talk about her anymore even though there this she's a leader in in pop culture and when she does things people pay attention Um, so we have to talk about her see look what she oh that's the other thing i was gonna say look what she made me do the whole the whole song is premised around look what you made me do so if i guess the you can be kanye look what you made me do but then that says look i did this because look what you made me do because you caught me lying is the logical And you exposed me lying. So look what you made me do. The other you is the audience. Look what you made me do. (laughs) She's blaming us. There's no responsibility back to her. It's also a a tried and true abuse tactic um, or or phrase that is said, you know, look what you made me do. I didn't do this. You did something that, that created the situation. So who, who's the you in this song? Is it us? We created? I mean, I guess that's actually a a valid read of the song. Like, we created Taylor We did create Taylor Swift in a way. Not all of us, but white supremacist America, just like we created Donald Trump. Ooh, now it's getting really deep, though, because... <laughs> that that statement is like worth digging into but i don't think that that's actually what she means i don't think she i think she's just avoiding responsibility but i guess in doing that it opens up a space for us exposing her once again as the creation of not not for her talent but for the creation of A white supremacist idol to support (laughs) that these politics all become part of her persona that's interesting that I'll, I'll have to give that more thought because then you can wrap it back around and use it as another way to expose her but then she'll just write another song about it saying look what you made me do again part two or something (laughs) um anyway i don't want to talk about her anymore i'm going (laughs) to try not to um and leave leave this episode for now um next time i do want to talk about the how to make a lemonade book and really dive into what and kind of epic achievement not just the album was and I've talked about that on other episodes but this book is also like an incredible achievement Um, and not just musical but visual artistic in some ways literary even though it's mostly there's 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 um, some text but it's mostly all visual anyway um I'll be back next week so let me know what other stuff you'd like to talk about, you'd like to hear about, things that you are watching and listening to or thinking about this this week, these days, that you think need to be explored further, um, you can always tweet me at Kevin Allred or go check out the the nazi party and my mentions over taylor swift (laughs) at kevin on twitter um or they think i take myself really seriously they clearly never like listen to a podcast or read the tone of any of my tweets because i rarely take myself as seriously as any of them think i do Um, or you can send me an email from my website kevin-allred.com just click on contact and you can write me whatever you want and I will write you back Uh, and I'll talk to you again soon bye